Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. I'm excited to see you here. I know it's a holiday weekend, so thank you for being here with us rather than being out on the lake. But, you know, the lake is pretty nice. But uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, I'm so happy that you're here. Hope that you enjoy your experience at Faith Community Church, uh, that you feel welcome. Uh, but more importantly, I hope you just get a sense uh, of the love of God that's in this place and that you can walk out of here different than when you came in this morning. And uh, we're excited. We're in our, our fourth and final week of our series called Grow. We've been talking about the fact that God wants us to grow in every area of our, of our lives, but specifically in the area of our relationship with Him. And so we spent the last three weeks talking about in, things that we can do individually to help us grow in that area. Week number one, we talked about reading our Bible and spending time in prayer. And the fact that we have a personal relationship with the God and the creator of the universe. And there's nothing better that we can do than to read his word and to spend time with him in prayer. And when it comes to that, it's far more about quality than it is about quantity. The quality of the time spent versus, well, I spent 30 minutes today. And then so the week two, we talked about the importance of being in a relationship with someone else, being involved in a small group. We're created in the image of God, who himself is a relational being. And he didn't create any of us to do life together. Uh, None of us were meant to be lone rangers, and so we need to come together, um, love one another, do life together, help one another, and we just encourage each and every one of you to be involved in a small group, which they begin in just a couple weeks. And then last week, uh, we talked about living a spirit-led life, and we went through some questions regarding the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, He is a person, and He's alive and active in us and in this world today. And we said, well, what does He do? Well, He comforts, He convicts, He guides he empowers, and he builds character on the inside of us. And when we live in partnership with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to lead us, we can't help but be who God has called us to be and be where God wants us to be because we begin to realize that God always has our best in mind. So this week, we're going to cap off our series uh, talking about the fourth thing that we can all do, and that's giving. Now, you can all take a deep breath because I'm not going to talk about money, so you don't have to put your hands on your wallets or keep them in your purse. I'm going to talk about uh, a specific area of giving. There are about three areas of giving roughly in the Bible, uh, giving of your time, your talents, and your resources. So this morning, we're going to talk about the first two, giving of your time and your talent, giving of yourself, who you are. Money's a portion of giving, but not the focus this morning. So what I'd like for us to do is go to John chapter 3, verse 16. For some of you, this is an incredibly familiar passage of scripture. For some of you, you may have never heard it or only heard it a few times. This comes from uh, the book of John, which is the fourth gospel. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so the fourth book in the New Testament. So as you flip there in your Bible or pull out your device and and get to that, uh, I just want to give you just a little bit of context here. Uh, In this chapter, Jesus is having a discussion with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a very educated man. He's a teacher. In fact, he's what they call a Pharisee. But the thing that separates him from his contemporaries is this. They, the other Pharisees did not like Jesus at all. They did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. So Nicodemus, fearing what they would think, goes to, to talk to Jesus at night. And he says, to me, it's evident by the miracles that you're doing that you are the son of God. So what does this mean? What are the implications of this? And so Jesus begins to tell him all these things. And where we pick it up is right the, here, the statement that Jesus made to him. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us, and he longs to show us Jesus. So Holy Spirit, help us to keep our ears, our minds, and our hearts open to see Jesus in a way we've never seen him before, because when we see him, we cannot be the same. 
Help me to speak this message clearly and boldly and above all else, concisely. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. If you'll turn to your neighbor and do me a favor and say this statement, I was made for this. I was made for this. How many of you have heard that statement or used that statement in your lifetime? Or maybe it's better put like this, and I was born to do this. I don't know about you. I don't necessarily use that statement about myself too much, but I use it about other people. I remember in high school I played football, and uh, I did all I could to you know, just keep up with everybody else. And there were guys on the field that could just do things that I couldn't even practice. You know what I mean? And it was just so natural and effortless for them. I remember there were a few guys that I saw play on other teams that I just thought, they were born to do this. They've got a gift. How many of you have ever seen this? Maybe a really dumb question. Michael Jordan play basketball. It's like you watch Michael Jordan play basketball, and man, this guy was put on the earth to play basketball. Or you hear Whitney Houston in her prime sing, and it's just undeniable the fact that she had a gift to sing, regardless if she was using it for the Lord or not. God gave her a gift. She was born to be a singer. I'm sure for, for you, maybe there's somebody in your mind or multiple people across different uh, areas of expertise where you think to yourself, man, that person was put on this earth to do that specific thing because they're just so good at it. Well, I believe that we all have something that we were born to do and that God put it on the inside of us. Yes, ultimately, we're here to bring glory to God, but God put inside of each and every one of you and myself a contribution to make to this world for his kingdom. In fact, he hardwired it into you. David tells us in Psalms 139, that even when I was in the depths of the earth and in my mother's womb, you saw me and you were forming me and molding me and shaping me. And all of my steps were written even before one of them was taken. So before we ever existed on this earth, God was putting into us the contribution that we would make to this world. You are uniquely gifted and talented. And you say, well, I don't know what it is. That's okay. It doesn't mean that it's not in there. Because I think that, unfortunately, we spend a majority of our life looking at other people saying, man, if I could only have that talent, if I could only play basketball like Michael Jordan, or if I could only sing like that person, or if I could only speak like a really good speaker, um, then maybe my life would be different. And in doing so, we are not acknowledging what God put inside of us, or we've acknowledged it and we just don't think it's good. And we think it's second rate. And we think that it couldn't possibly be the thing that God has called me to do. And so this morning, I want to talk about this area of giving of ourselves, keeping in mind that all of us are gifted on the inside. We have something. I want to go through just kind of three questions. Number one, what's in it for me? Everybody wants to know, and at least in our society, if I'm going to be given something, what's in it for me? Number two, with what attitude should I give? And number three, what's my next step? What can I do today to start down that path? So what's in it for me? Well, number one, giving draws us closer to God. Giving draws us closer to God. I spent some time working for Joyce Meyer Ministries, and part of that I got to travel around the country, and it was awesome. But I remember one conference, Joyce uh, got up there, and it was a, a part of her message. She said, you know, we're never more like God than when we give. We're never more like God than when we give. And it really impacted me. And so keeping in mind the verse that we read at the beginning, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God is by nature a giver. He's not a taker. He's a giver. It's who he is. He created the universe. He created everything that we see. And when he was finished with his creation, he set humanity down in it. And he said, here you go. I want you to be over it. Subdue the earth. Be Lord over the earth. I give it to you. He is a giver. It's in his nature. And guess what? We are all created in the image of God. And by default, we too are hardwired to be givers. But we live in a culture that is exactly the opposite of that. 
Our consult culture is a consumer culture. In fact, we've developed the term, it's called consumerism. We consume and consume and consume, not knowing when enough is ever going to be enough. I don't know about you, but I've not got to the point where I found that as enough is enough, because I still like to get stuff. I love consuming. I think consuming in and of itself isn't necessarily wrong, but out of balance it becomes wrong. And unfortunately, our, what happened when sin entered into the world is we began to go the consumer route versus the giver route. So when you give and when you do something for somebody that they cannot do for themselves, you are tapping into the divine nature that's on the inside of you, that God put in you. And you're becoming more like God each time that you give of yourself and of your time. You know, the thing about it is, is that God is not a giver by obligation. God is not a giver by compulsion. There's not some cosmic force that was twisting God's arm behind his back when he gave Jesus to the world. He did it, why? Because he so loved the world. God gave Jesus because he wanted to. And who did he love? The world. Who's the world? You and me. God loved humanity so much that he gave his one and only son. The greatest gift this world will ever see was Jesus Christ. And God gave him because he loved humanity. That's amazing. That's who he is. And see, the gift that God gave of Jesus was not a gift. It was not some, just some transaction. You know, when I give to somebody, I do something for somebody, it's like, hey, I'm going to fix your car if you'll fix my air conditioner. That's not giving. That's a transaction. That's reciprocity, right? I'm getting something in turn for what I'm doing. The kind of giving that I'm talking about of ourselves is doing for someone what they cannot do for themselves. God giving Jesus to us, he did for us what we could never do for ourselves in restoring the relationship between man and God, in paying the penalty for sin. We cannot repay that, and he's not asking us to. And when we do that for other people, it's incredible. In fact, that leads us to number two, is that giving blesses me in return. Giving blesses me in return. Jesus is quoted in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and he says this. He says, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. How many of you logically agree with that? And if you raise your hand, you're lying. <laughs> logically, it don't make sense that it's, more, it's better to give than it is to receive. I like to receive. I like, if I, and if I'm being honest with you, my emotions, my flesh says, give me, give me, give me, and then I may give you something. But Jesus said exactly the opposite, turning it on its head. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And then Proverbs tells us in 11 verse 25, it says this, Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So there is a biblical principle for when we give that we will be blessed in return. Now, I'm not up here advocating that you should all just go give because you will be blessed. I'm saying that when you do what God says to do, there is something that happens in return to the inside of you. And what's amazing is, is that science is supporting what the Bible says. I'm a believer that science and the Bible don't have to be at odds. I think that really what's happening is science is always catching up to what God said however many thousands of years ago. And in fact, this is what scientists are telling us about giving. They have this thing what they call as a helper's high. And this is what I found. It said when people give, it activates regions of the brain associated with pleasure, social connection, and trust, creating what they call a warm glow effect. Scientists also believe that altruistic behavior, or good behavior, releases endorphins in the brain, producing the positive feeling known as the helper's high. There is a physiological component on the inside of you that when you give, good feelings pop into your brain. Chemicals start moving, what they call endorphins. It literally gives you a helper's high. 
It's incredible. They also said this. Stephen Post, a professor of preventative medicine, reports that giving to others has been shown to increase health benefits in people with chronic illness, including HIV and multiple sclerosis. You know what that tells me? Is, is that the part of the proof of what God said in his word that would be true is contained on the inside of us. We step out in obedience and we start giving of ourselves to other people. We benefit. We have a physiological component on the inside of us that is released when we do that. How incredible is that? People are all over the world trying to get a high from drugs, from alcohol, from experiences, from purchasing things, trying to feel better. When God said, if you just do for somebody what they cannot do for themselves, you'll have all the feel goodness you want. It'll be released on the inside of you. I've had the opportunity of being able to travel to different parts around the world and to do missions work. You pay to go. The accommodations aren't that great. The food isn't that great. And um, you work hard. But there is something amazing that happens is while you're doing it, you find this refreshing that's coming over you. Your levels of stress begin to decrease. It is so amazing. I always come back with more than what I went. Not financially, but with just on the inside of me. I come back a better person. But I didn't go there to be a better person. I went there because I wanted to go. I wanted to help. But I get so much in return. It's amazing. It's almost like it's not fair. It's like, God, I came to do this. I paid to do this. God said, I know, but this is what my word says. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not going to redeem and give back to you in more than what you gave. Here's the thing. You're never going to give anything greater than what God gave in Jesus. And God always gives it back to you, and it's incredible. You know, they also report this, that people who are, who are elderly, that are volunteering and, and, and serving in some capacity, ha- live on average five years longer than those who don't, that are just sitting in a home somewhere, uh, being neglected and not paid much attention to. It increases your lifespan. I have a, a great-grandma who's in her 90s, and she lives with my parents, and she goes up and down the stairs and does their laundry and helps out around the house. And they told her multiple times, call her Granny, you don't have to do this. And she says, I know. And then the doctor told my parents, let her do it. It is, it is literally giving her life on the inside. How many of you could stand to use a little more life on the inside? I'm going to tell you, it's not found in just doing your own thing. There is something beautiful about being able to do for others what you cannot do for yourselves and then lastly giving impacts eternity giving impacts eternity not just your eternity but the eternity and destinies of other people i believe within each and every one of us is a desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves right you have a desire to know that what you're doing is making a difference beyond what you can see If you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt, uncle, whatever in here this morning, you want to know that what you're investing into the lives of your family is going to outlive you. How many of you want to leave a legacy? A legacy, by definition, has to outlast you. Otherwise, it's not a legacy. And it can be a good or a bad legacy. But we want to leave a good legacy. We want to know that what we're doing is somehow, like Steve Jobs said, making a dent in the universe, right? Steve Jobs started a computer company, and he never just wanted to start a computer company. He wanted to make a dent in the universe, and I think he's done a pretty good job with what he did. But we want to make a dent in the universe for the kingdom of God. And we do that when we come together collectively. You know, a couple years ago, we had a thing here. It was called a night of worship. It's called Vox. Some different churches came together. Uh, We did some worship. We raised some money for an organization that helps to rescue women and children from sex trafficking in various countries throughout the world. And there was a a young man there 
who was a pastor, of, uh, not a head pastor, but a pastor at Life Church in Fenton, and um, we got to talking. His name was Matt, and he said, Matt, he said, Josh, uh, do you, what's your last name? I said, Earls. He said, do you know Dave Earls? I said, yeah, that's my aunt. He said, well, I used to work for her at Ponderosa, and my aunt and my uncle who go to church here, they were managers at Ponderosa's in the Arnold area for quite some time, and the majority of their employees were teenagers, and so you can imagine what that was like. And when Matt worked for my aunt, he was a teenager. And uh, Matt, he said, um, can, you, can you tell her something for me? He said, I've never been able to tell her this. He said, can you tell her that I am, I am just so thankful for everything that she did for me, that I am who I am today because of her. I really believe that I'm a pastor today because of the example that she lived in front of me. He said, she just loved me. She took time out for me. She cared about me. She cared about the issues that I was going through. I was more than just an employee to her. And he didn't come from a Christian background. He didn't come from uh, what us were getting to participate in this morning. But today, he is a pastor on staff at a church because of the investment that someone made in his life as a teenager. His eternity and destiny has forever been impacted because of what my aunt has done. But I think that we all struggle with the idea of futility at times. How many of you feel like your job is just an exercise in futility on a daily basis, that you're not making a difference whatsoever? You're just going to work doing the same old, same old. And a portion of that may be true. But I'm telling you that people are watching you and the relationships that you have at your work. You are impacting the destinies and the eternities of people all around you. We have a man in our church. His name is Mike Dodge. Maybe some of you know him. And I didn't tell him I was going to talk about him. But he is, is such a faithful um, servant. He's been doing our, our billboard for many, many years. And he just recently retired from uh, MoDOT. And uh, he was worked there for, I think, over 20 years easily, and he said, he came to me the other day, and he said, Josh, I've got all these Bibles I want to give the guys that I, work, um, I worked with when I leave. Can you pray over them? I said, yeah, let's pray over them, and so yesterday, he told me, he said, I gave out these Bibles. Only about three guys rejected them. He said, but they, not only did they take the Bibles, they asked me if I would sign them, and he said, so I signed them all for them, and I just felt led to tell Mike, I said, Mike, I, I think that they took all those Bibles, not simply because they're hungry for the Word of God, but because they've seen the life that you lived in front of them for the past 20 years. And you've impacted them by your consistency, by your commitment, and you doing that job to the best of your ability. And it's so amazing. I think we take for granted the impact that we have on other people because it's not super huge and amazing and the music and the lights aren't there when we're doing the small things that we think are insignificant, but I think all of the seemingly insignificant, futile things that we do add up to have a great impact in people's life, and I guarantee you that there is somebody in your life that you've impacted that way, and you may have not heard it yet, but you will hear someday, and we don't do it just so we can get we can get people to tell us that we're doing good things, but man, when we hear it, it's like a shot in the arm, right? It's like that helper's high. It just comes and it, it blesses us so much to know that, okay, I'm making a difference, and you know what, as a church, I want each and every one of us to know that on every Sunday morning, every Wednesday, whatever we do, we are making a difference for eternity. The Faith Community Church is going to make a dent in the universe for the kingdom of God. And that leads us to this. So how should we do it? With what attitude should we give of ourselves? Well, number one, we should do it willingly. Give willingly. Again, we're not doing it out of obligation. I don't want you to serve in this church in any capacity because you feel guilty or you feel obligated or you're afraid of what people will think about you if you don't. I want you to do it willingly. God gave Jesus willingly. He willingly gave Jesus to this world. He didn't do it, you know, because he was frustrated and angry. He did it because he loved us. 
And then secondly, we should do it cheerfully. There's a famous passage of Scripture that says God loves a cheerful giver. And that is in relationship to money, but I think it's also in relationship, extends itself out to whatever else we do. And giving of ourselves, we should be happy about it. You know, you should say, well, sometimes I come and I just ain't happy. Well, just put a smile on your face and fake it. You know what? And I'm not advocating uh, us living fake lives in front of each other, but I am saying that we all have stuff. Any given day, we've got something that we're going through that makes us not want to smile. You know what? And I guarantee you that people walking in on a Sunday morning, they're going through stuff too, and they have a lot not to smile about. And if you could just for a moment just put a smile on your face and say, you know what? We're so happy that you're here. God bless you. And then they walk away, and you've got to turn your head and you know, frown a little bit. You can do that. But I'm telling you that when you just smile at somebody, it makes an impact. It's huge. So get, be cheerful about it. Sometimes being cheerful is a decision. You know what I mean? It's a decision. Just like you've been married for any length of time, you don't feel like you love your spouse. Or maybe you have kids and they're acting a certain way and you don't feel like you love them. And it's a decision in that moment to love them and to treat them right. You know what I mean? We've got to stop living just on how we feel because that's exhausting. Super exhausting. Emotions are good, but they're the best when they're in line with the Word of God. Sometimes they just aren't true. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us. That's a little off topic. But, number three, we should give sacrificially as well. Sacrificially. It is going to cost you something at some time. I'm not saying that you need to live your life uh, and get rid of everything that you have. I'm not advocating that. Some people have done that. God has called them to do that. I'm going to leave that between you and the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is, is that whenever you start to do something for somebody else that they cannot do for themselves, you are going to have to sacrifice at some point, especially in your relationship with, the God, with God. He is going to ask you to sacrifice something. But know that each sacrifice, as tough as it may be, will be met with something far greater than what you gave up that you never even imagined, that you couldn't see. What we do here is sometimes people, when they make a commitment to serve it somewhere in the church, and you know, they give up a portion of their time or a portion of something that they want to do to be here because they just know that it's where God wants them to be and they experience so much joy and fulfillment out of it. I would venture to say that God gave Jesus sacrificially. He did it willingly, he did it cheerfully, and he did it sacrificially. He gave up his son. And again, I'm not manipulating you, I'm not... I'm not obligating you. I'm just saying with the attitude, go into the understanding that giving sacrificially doesn't mean that I'm going to be um, completely just depressed and not enjoying anything. I'm not saying that. Sacrifice at the beginning doesn't sound fun. How many of you jumped up and down for joy when I said the, word give sacri- the words give sacrificially? Right, nobody. It's not super fun to hear, but if we can just make it through, man, we'll be so glad that what we gave up, we thought what was so big that we gave up and was so great was really pretty insignificant is what we get in return. A few years ago, Lauren and I had the opportunity to go to Haiti uh, six months after the earthquake, and we went. We didn't have the money to go. God miraculously provided for us to go. We still had bills and stuff and things to take care of back home, but we went, and um, it was amazing. God did so much in us. It was such an awesome trip, and it was almost like God just pushed the pause button on our life for a little bit for things back home, because when we got back home, guess what? Things were just like we left them. There was still stuff to be done, but God did something in us. What we thought we were sacrificing to go there, and we gained so much uh, in return. And you just can't, you can never outgive, there's a statement, you can never outgive God, right? But really, uh, you can never sacrifice more than God will give you. You can't. And in the moment that you think you have, God's just going to show you that, wow, I got so much more. 
I got so much more. And then the last one is this. Give expectantly. Give expectantly. Expect God to do what he said he would do. If his word says that, you know, uh, those who refresh others, will they themselves be refreshed? Well, you know that God said it. He's going to do it. That it's more blessed to give than receive. All right. It is okay to ask God to do what he said he would do. It's okay to believe that. If God said he would do it, you guys got 100% permission from him to believe that he said he would do it. And there's nothing wrong with asking him to do that. But secondly, not, don't just give just to get from God. I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying believe scripture. But secondly, when you give out of yourself and out of your time, don't just expect for you to get something in return. Expect the people who are receiving whatever you're doing to get something in return. That's really what it is. Expect that when you hold the door open for somebody on a Sunday morning and smile that God's going to do something in their life at this service today. Expect if you're working with children in some area that God is going to do something in the lives of those children. Expect that if whatever the case may be, you're out there making coffee, that when that person drinks coffee or whatever, that God is just going to do something in your life that you're contributing to a greater whole, that you are part of something bigger than yourself. For five years, I sat in a call center. and Or six years, I worked in a call center. Four or three of those years, I answered phone calls of people that I never met. I thought that it was the greatest exercise in futility, but until I realized that by, I was taking phone calls from people that were calling all over the world, Syria, India, you know, countries in Africa, Europe. I mean, I talked to people on every continent except Antarctica, calling in for prayer and seeing what God was doing. I realized, you know what, from this small desk that started with fuchsia sideboards, uh, you know what, God's using me to make an impact all over the world. And I just started to expect and believe that what I was doing as just a small cog in the wheel was making an impact. It revolutionized me. It revolutionized my mindset and my attitude. So let's come and serve and just expect God to do what he said he would do and expect people who are receiving that's going to bless them even more that's going to bless us. And the moment that we start believing that, we're just going to be like, wow, I'm blessed too. God, I just, I don't know what's going on. God's saying, see, if you just do what I ask you to do, I'm going to take care of you. And it's going to be far greater than what, it, what, what you ever thought or imagined. So, willingly, cheerfully, sacrificially, expectantly. And now, what's my step today? What can I do today? Well, when you walked in this morning, there was a card underneath on, on your chair. And what this call is, you can pull that card up. I'd just like for you to take a look at it here for a moment. And I actually got it up on the screen. It says, I was made for this. I was made for this. We believe at, at Faith Community Church that, like I said earlier, every one of you was made to do something amazing. And we have what we call our dream team. What is our dream team? Our dream team is anybody that's serving in any capacity in the church. Well, why don't you call them volunteers? Why do you call them dream team? Well, the word volunteer has some interesting connotation to it in society today. Most of the time, people say, hey, you want to volunteer for this? And about 99.9% of the time, it's something that you don't want to do, right? Like, I do not want to volunteer to do something I don't want to do. Well, guess what? We don't want you to do anything here that you don't want to do. Sometimes God does ask us to do things we don't want to do, but we want you to serve in an area that you're gifted at, that you enjoy, because we believe if you're doing something that you enjoy and that you're good at, you're going to experience a great level of fulfillment and that whatever you're doing is going to be even more successful. So we don't want something from you here. We want something for you. How many of you remember in 1992 when they put together the, the USA basketball team? It was about the first time they let NBA players play in the Olympics. And they played in Barcelona that year, and they brought together the best players in the NBA, Michael Jordan being one of them, who was my hero growing up. I still have, I used to have the poster of the dream team. But anyway, they came together, 
And they, obviously they won the gold, they, they smoked everybody, but there was a process of them acclimating to them being uh, all the best guys on their team. But once they gelled and they came together, they, they affectionately called that team the dream team because they, they did some amazing things. And I just believe that, that we got a church full of people who are uniquely gifted, who are a one uh, in an area, the number one in their area. And that when we come together collectively, doing what we are called to do, what we're gifted to do, that we are going to see God do some pretty amazing things in our city, our country, and our world. And so we're not going to call you volunteers. We're going to call you dream teamers, that you can be excited about what you're doing. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is as you flip that card over is, number one, I want to say this. If you're already serving in some area, see, I almost said volunteering, serving in some area in the church, I want to thank you for what you do because without you, we couldn't do it. And I want to address this, this misconception. There has been a misconception here that we just have an overabundance of people in every area that we don't know what to do with, when the reality is, is that we don't. We don't have an overabundance of people. We actually need people. But I'm not asking you to come and serve because we just need you and you feel obligated. I'm asking you to do something because by nature, you're a giver, and by nature, God has something for you to do, and I want to see you fulfilled. So we want to see people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. And our vision is to see people saved, delivered, redeemed, and fulfilled. I think that last one, people really being fulfilled in who they are in their relationship with God, is greatly lacking in the church today. And so if you're not serving in any capacity today, I'd love for you to fill out that card. And just, it just, this is just saying, hey, you know what? I'm interested. I'd like to be involved somewhere. I don't know where that is. And we ask you to drop it either in the offering, in the black box when you leave today, or right out there in the cafe um, there is a, a, a table set up. You can go by there and talk with our dream team coordinator, and that's Lauren. We have someone who's going to help coordinate people, and Lauren's my wife right there, coordinate you. Uh, if you want to know where you can be effective in the church, we've got somebody that can help you out, can help you and direct you. So fill that out, and you say, but, you know, I may not even know what I'm good at. I have no idea. People have told me things, but I don't know. We've got a system in place that can help you do that. This is all for you. We have what we call growth track. Growth track is an opportunity, number one, to learn more about the church. What do we believe, and what is our vision? Before you partner with something, you want to know what, what they're about, right? So what do you believe, and what's your vision? Number two is, hey, here's some steps to be a healthy believer. I have preached for the last four weeks our growth track 201, four habits of a healthy believer. Read your Bible and pray, get involved in a small group, live a spirit-led life, and now here we are, give of yourself. And then three is the greatest one. Three is called discovery. You can go there, take a brief, short personality test, and then another uh, structured thing to help you find out what you're good at. It may not nail you down, but it'll give you an idea of some natural giftings on the inside of you. And then from there, if you want to take this step, which we all want you to, to become part of the dream team, you can do that. And you say, you know what, I don't have time to go through all four. That's okay if you just commit to going to one. We just want to help you be successful in life. I know there, there are far too many people uh, around the country today that are just going to church and sitting. They do that week after week. They go and sit and go and sit and go and sit. And for a period of time, that's okay, but we were never meant to just come and sit. We were never meant to just to consume, consume, and consume. Whatever God does in you, he wants to do through you. And I think today is just a great opportunity for some of you that have just received so much. You can begin to give out and see what God will do through you when you get out of all that he's put in you. And maybe you're in here, here's the third group. Maybe you're in here this morning and you say, you know what, I am currently am serving in some capacity in this church, but I don't enjoy where I'm at and I'd like to go somewhere else. Well, hey, we'd love for you to do that. We want you to be 
where you're most effective and where you enjoy being. So maybe you could fill out that card and just express interest in, this is where I'm at, but this is where I want to be. And again, give you the rest of the service to fill that out. Like I said, drop it in the offering or uh, in the black box when you leave or outside uh, at the counter if you just want to talk with Lauren or you would like to sign up for Growth Track, which it begins next week at 1030. If I could have the band come back. We're going to wrap this thing up. I am just super excited about what God is doing in our church. I think that uh, there is just an awesome sense of of, uh, his presence and this life-giving nature here. And I think that God is positioning us to reach our city and then our country and our world. And you know what? I just want you to know that we do need you. Why? Because God called the church to reach the world. He didn't call pastors. He called the church. And who is the church? It's me and it's you. And I'm of the opinion that there is not one thing that anybody does in this church that is greater or less than the other. I view that the person that held the door open this morning when you, when you came in, it, that what they did is just as important as what I'm doing now or as what Shelby did when she led worship. It all comes together for the kingdom of God to go forward. And we have to do it together. We have to do it together. And I just believe that sitting out here in these pews today, there are things on the inside of you, contributions that have yet to be made, regardless of age, that when you find that and begin to do that, you're going to be, wow. And we're like, I didn't know that that was on the inside of me. I had no idea. And you're going to begin to impact people that you never thought you would impact. About five years ago, uh, Lauren and I served in the church as associate youth pastors. We were junior high pastors. And um, before that, before Lauren and I had gotten married, I filled in one time um, for the bus ministry. You say, what is the bus ministry? Well, we've been a church for 50 years, and we were founded on a bus ministry. We went out to the community, picked people up, and brought them here who had no way to get here otherwise. And guess what? We're still doing it today, and it's a lifeblood for our church. We go and get primarily students out of these um, you know, out of these communities that surround us. And so I started filling in because pastor, our, our, our previous pastor, Pastor Ed, who retired, asked me to, and the fill-in became a permanent position. I'm not uniquely gifted to work in the bus ministry. I didn't super enjoy it a lot. For me, it felt like an exercise in futility, but guess what? It is not. There is a group of people that come week after week after week and give up of their time and they go out and they pick these students up and bring them here and then they're faithful to take them back and it's not always the most fun but the people that do it are passionate about it and that's one of the areas where we do need people but there was a young man I digress there was a young man that started coming when I was an associate youth pastor and he's still here today and his name he's affectionately known as Big John Big John is six foot eight uh, his shoe size is in the 20s, seriously. He, he's a big dude. And uh, he was about that big when he first started coming, getting on the bus. And when John would come, he was not a super joy to be around. He had t- kind of a thug mentality. Uh, he didn't have a great respect for authority, and he let you know it. And he would get in your face, and you'd look at his stomach and, you know, have to look up and, and tell him, John, we're not going to do that. And, and we, we experienced some contentiousness. And it was like John didn't want to be here, but he kept coming back week after week after week. And I'm like, John, if you don't want to be here, why are you here? That's what I was thinking. Well, he started coming on Sunday mornings, and he went to a youth camp. And little by little by little, he started to change. And his parents have never come. They've never come. But John comes week after week. Now John's graduated. He's out of high school. He still comes to church. But guess what? He's working in the bus ministry. He's going back into the same communities that he came out of and pulling kids out of there and bringing them to church. And he's still rough around the edges. 
But these, these students, they have a level of respect for John. And he'll tell them straight up. He'll say, you know what? When I first started coming, I was rude and ignorant. And I didn't listen. But you need to listen. And these people loved me. That's what I'll tell you. John has, on numerous accounts when, we, when he was uh, growing up, he, he's always, because he's so big, he's been able to buy cigarettes without getting ID'd. And he's had this habit of smoking. I can't tell you how many packs of cigarettes and lighters John has put in my hand and asked me to throw away so he could quit smoking. It's been countless, sometimes week after week. But, but you know what? He's trying. And he's here six years later, five years later, however many years later. I love the guy. And he loves this place. But he is who he is today because of people like you that made an investment, that gave of your time, that rode a bus full of crazy kids. And I want to tell you just about another person who is who he is today because of you, and that's me. I grew up in this church. I've been here since I was 10 years old. There's some of you that are sitting out in, the, in, in there this morning that taught me in Sunday school, that were my counselors at youth camp, that were youth sponsors when I grew up. Uh, you gave of yourself, and I'm a product, not just of my family, but I'm a product of you. And I want to say thank you. Two weeks or three weeks ago, Miss Lily McRaven came up to me over in the fellowship hall, and she said, she said, oh, Pastor Josh, she said, I just want you to know that I pray for you every day that God will just give you something fresh to preach and that you'll get up there and you'll just know that he's with you. And she gave me a hug. Man, that just gave me so much um, encouragement and strength. She impacted my eternity when she did that. So this morning, all I'm asking you to do, I'm not asking you to obligate yourself and feel guilty because you're not serving in an area. I'm just asking you to say, hey, you know what? I am made for something. And take a step to find out what you're made for. Take a step to find your true fulfillment. And you'll never find it looking just within. You'll find it when you give and help other people. Let's pray. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I love, I, I love Jesus. I'm already serving in an area. I'm fulfilled. I'm, just, I'm doing good. That's awesome. I'm just going to invite you to pray for us right now. But if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Josh? I... Uh, I I don't know what I was made for. I don't know really why I'm here. And I have maybe believed in Jesus before, but I've since fallen away. And uh, maybe, maybe you're in that spot. Or maybe you're in this spot. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never said, you know what, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want, to, I want you to come on the inside of me. I want to receive that gift. Because before you can ever give in the manner that God wants you to give, you must first receive the greatest gift that the world has ever seen. And that's Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to ask you to do something this morning. If you're here, you say, you know what? I'm kind of wishy-washy, but I want, I want to be consistent. I want to know that Jesus is the Lord of my life again or for the first time. I just want you to, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you, just shoot your hand up. I want to pray for you. Just shoot it up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for every person that raised their hand or stood up. I thank you that their acknowledgement by putting their hand up, expressing faith that, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And may you just begin to do a work in their heart right now. Thank you, Father, for, be, for your son Jesus becoming their Savior and becoming their Lord. And I thank you for that change that's taking place on the inside of them, of your supernatural life exploding on the inside of them. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you for every other person that's here this morning, God, that they maybe they didn't put up their hand, but they're just struggling to find out where they're at, what their gift is, and how they can make a contribution. May you help them this morning. Holy Spirit, begin to show them that they have a contribution to make on the inside. So God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done, and we look forward to what you will do because you are a good 
and faithful Father, and we give you all the praise and glory. Can everybody say amen and give God a hand clap for what he's doing in the lives of people and in our community.